This morning we are continuing in our series, Did God Really Say? And I think it's a rather timely sermon because the phrase that we're going to be exploring together is, Did God Really Say? I will never give you more than you can handle. Maybe you've heard someone use that expression before, right? Maybe you're going through a really difficult season, or there's been a time when you've gone through a really difficult season, and it really feels like it's more than you can bear. And you get some well-meaning Christian, right? Maybe a family member or someone that just, they're trying to bring some comfort, and they utter those words, you know, it's okay because God promised He'll never give you more than you can handle. And let's be honest. When someone says that, you just kind of feel like punching them in the face, don't you? It's just not very helpful. Maybe you've been through a season like that. I I know for me, I went through a season about five years ago where I felt like I was being given more than I could handle. Uh, There was a lot going on in a lot of different areas. There was some stuff going on in in family Uh, for me. There was was some stuff going on here in our church, just some leadership. Uh, We were sorting through some things, making some, some changes. Um, And it wasn't always comfortable and easy. It was kind of stressful at times. Um, You know, there were were all kinds of uh, things going on, even in ministry. Uh, I think that year I did like 12 funerals, many of which, uh, most of those were for young adults, teenagers, toddlers, and infants. And it was just gut-wrenching and hard. And uh, I remember just thinking, um, God, if, if, if every year in ministries like this, I don't know how much more of this I can do. I don't know how much more I can take. I really felt like I was being given more than I could handle. And so when you hear that phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle, where does that come from? Well, people that, that, that say this phrase, they're getting this from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. So let's take a look at it. Let's see what it says, what the Apostle Paul actually says. Um, in this particular verse. Paul's writing to the church, and he says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So there's the verse, and as you can see, The verse is clearly about temptation. What Paul's saying there is that when you are tempted, and we're all tempted from time to time, when you are tempted, God will provide an escape for you. There will be a way out of that temptation for you. And so when people say God will never give you more than you can handle, what they're doing is they're taking a verse about temptation and they're making it sort of more broad than that. They're making it apply to to everything in life. And so, again, it's really a verse taken out of context that leads, to this, that leads to this particular phrase. In fact, if you, if you think about it, um, we probably all have times and seasons in our life where we go through more than we, in and of ourselves, can handle. One thing I would say, however, is that when you have a time or a season in your life where it's more than you can handle, just know that it, it may not be God's fault. It may not be God's fault. So a couple of things to think about. First of all, it may be no fault of yours or, or anyone's. We say this all the time, but we live in a broken, fallen, sinful world full of corruption, full of evil. Um, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, ever since Genesis chapter 3, um, man, this world has problems. Um, there's, there's, there's disease and famine and, and sickness and natural disasters and unrest and 
war and there's all kinds of problems and, and injustice. And so maybe the more that you, uh, the, the more that's been given to you, more than you can handle, is just the result of, of the broken, fallen world in which we live. Maybe, maybe the more, uh, you know, having more than you can handle is your fault, right? I mean, sometimes it's, it's a result of maybe poor decisions, bad judgment, lack of planning, you know? I, I know uh, for me, there was a time in college where I, I procrastinated pretty bad, um, and I remember getting, getting ready for this big exam, and I didn't study, and I procrastinated. And then I, I, I finally, at the last minute, I kind of lay out all my notes and my books and everything. And, then, and I remember thinking, this is more than I can handle. Well, it was. But it's because I procrastinated. It's because I didn't study. I didn't prepare. I didn't plan. So sometimes, you know, when you feel like you've been given more than you can handle, it, it, it could be our fault, right? And then sometimes if you look through the Bible, sometimes it is that God is literally giving you some monumental task, and it feels like more than you can handle. Scripture is full of examples of, of people who loved the Lord, and yet they were given more than they could handle at times. I'll just walk through some of them really quick with you. Um, all the way back, Old Testament, all the way through the New, right? Someone like Noah. God comes to Noah and tells him to build an ark. Never been done before, nothing on that scale, it was literally a task that was more than Noah was going to be able to handle. More than Noah could handle. Moses. God called Moses to lead um, th- this, this large group of people. And when you read about Moses, what you'll see is that he really wasn't a great leader. He had a, a speech problem. He stuttered a lot. He wasn't good in front of crowds. He had a problem and a, a difficult time delegating responsibilities. And so, You basically have God giving this major leadership role to a guy who wasn't a natural leader. It was more than than Moses could handle. Joshua, as a military guy, was given more than he could handle. He was to take his uh, army up against the most heavily fortified city in in the region, Um, and, and it was more than he could handle. And so, there was a task God gave him. David, we see David as a shepherd boy, then again as a military uh, general, and then again as a king, every single phase of his life he was given more than he could handle. In fact, that's probably why David wrote half of the Psalms that he wrote, right? I mean, if you, if you read the Psalms, it's basically a cry from the heart of David going, God, I've got more than I can handle. I don't understand it. Where are you? I mean, David was often given more than he could handle keep going through the Old Testament. There's a guy named Jonah. Jonah was given this large uh, uh, ministry, say opportunity, but it was really more than he could handle. He was to go to this really evil, wicked city of Nineveh and preach to this city um, that they would repent. They were his enemies. Jonah didn't want to do that. He was given more than he could handle. Most of the prophets in the Old Testament they were given more than they could handle. They were to go to a rather stiff-necked, rebellious people that had turned their backs on God and were, were, were sinning against God, and they were told to go and speak on God's behalf to them. A lot of the prophets were stressed out. Um, you know, if, if they lived today, they'd be popping pills, man. They were, it, they were, they, they were struggling, anxi- anxious. They were anxious people. They were given more than they could handle. You get into the New Testament, you have the disciples the disciples were given more than they could handle. They were this, this group of mostly fishermen and guys that were rather normal 
were given this monumental task of, of launching this movement called the church. It was a task that was more than they could handle, and they did it under extreme persecution. Even the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was given more than he could handle. He was to take the gospel to this other to the Gentiles and then plant churches all around the known world. See, all through Scripture, you have people that love the Lord, and yet they were given by God more than they could handle. And so, whether it's because we live in a broken, fallen, sinful world with, with evil and corruption through no fault of our own, or whether it is maybe our fault a little bit when we make some poor decisions and execute bad judgment, or when it's God giving us a task, there's, there's no doubt, there's really no question that God obviously at least allows us to have more than we can handle at times. I think anyone that's lived very long probably knows that. So the question then becomes, what do we do with it? What do we do with these times and seasons in our life when we are given more than we can handle? There's several different things to mention here. Um, one of the verses I always go back to, and I didn't, I didn't give this verse, it won't be on the screen, but James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 always comes to mind. Um, it's, a, it's a verse that I often refer to often. It says, to count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or perseverance. And so what that means is that when you go through these seasons where it feels like you've got more than you can handle, trials, hardship, that there can be a good work being done in you when you go through those seasons. Those are often seasons where God grows you and stretches you and, and, and creates you uh, into the person He wants you to be. But to be really specific, I would say there's a couple things that hopefully when we go through these seasons, they can create in us, all right? The first one is this, that hopefully when we go through seasons where it seems like we have more than we can handle, when life has given us more than we can handle, hopefully it creates in us a greater dependence on God. Hopefully, it'll create in us a greater dependence on God. Look with me, if you would, at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. The Apostle Paul is writing here, and Paul is talking about a thorn in his flesh. And so, he, there was something uh, that Paul had. Um, scholars don't really know what it was, but he talks about this thorn in his flesh. And so some believe that for Paul, it was maybe some sort of a, a physical um, issue or problem with his body, um, uh, you know, something, something along those lines. Uh, some people believe it might have been more of a, um, just a, maybe even a sin or, or something he constantly, a stronghold that he constantly was struggling with or wrestling with, a temptation that kept coming back up. Um, some believe it might have been some other kind of psychological um, issue that he constantly had. We don't know what it was for sure. Scholars debate, disagree. Um, we don't know. It was, Paul calls it a thorn in his flesh, and he begged God. He begged God to take this away from him. And here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter, um, chapter 12 beginning in verse 8. Paul says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, 
I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul has this thorn in his flesh, and it's more than he can handle. He literally begs God over and over and over again to take this from him. And again, going back to some things we've talked about before, like you would think if, if, if God sort of answered prayer based on how good someone is or how much they had done, that, that Paul would probably be a really good candidate to have his prayer answered by God, right? So Paul, literally a man that wrote two-thirds of our New Testament, is, is begging God to take this thing away from him, and God never does. God never takes it away. Instead, God says, look, my grace I'm going to give you my grace. My grace is sufficient for you. And and then he reminds him that it's when we are weak, when Paul is weak, that God shows up and God is strong. That it's through his weakness that God reveals his strength. You see, Paul, in and of himself, listen, Paul was a brilliant man. He was a brilliant scholar. Um, He was like a freaky academic guy, right? Some of you know people like that, right? They're just ridiculously smart. They're smarter than everyone. That was Paul. He was trained by the best teachers and leaders of his day, and it would have been very easy for Paul to become arrogant, conceited, kind of puffed up, to brag about his accomplishments and how smart that he was. In fact, we don't have time to go back and read it all, but if you want to read just a little before where I just read in chapter 12 there, Paul actually mentions that very thing, that um, he, doesn't want to be, he didn't want to become conceited or, or arrogant. You see, Paul realizes Paul realizes that God gives him this thorn in the flesh, and part of it helps keep Paul humble. And Paul allows that to create a greater dependence on God. He he creates a greater dependence on God. Because it doesn't matter how smart someone is or how much you can accomplish on your own. As believers, as Christians, as the church, we've got to make sure that we remain completely dependent on God. I don't know about you, but I don't I don't want to be at a church that's not dependent on the Holy Spirit of God, right? Can we just agree in that? Like, none of us want to be at a church where, you know, we do some things on our own and it's kind of cool or whatever, but at the end of the day, man, we all want to be at a place that's, that's dependent on the Holy Spirit of God to guide us and move us and lead us. And unless we're dependent on God, that's just not going to be the case. So hopefully when we have these seasons where life has given us more than we can handle. What we'll do is we'll allow those times and seasons to create in us a greater dependence on God. And that's what Paul does. The second thing I would say is that hopefully when we go through seasons like this, it will create in us a greater dependence on others, a greater dependence on the church, if you will, a greater dependence on community. Look with me back in uh, 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. This is again the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and he's talking about the church, uh, the, the body of believers here. This is really, really good stuff. Verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. 
If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Then listen to verse 21. This is really important. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Jump down to 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So here's what Paul just said. This is, follow me on this. Paul just said that one member of the body cannot, cannot say to another member of the body, I don't need you. Did you catch that? One member of the body, so, so you or, or me, we cannot say to the church, I don't need you. I don't need you. In other words, Paul's making sure the church understands that, that we need one another. We have to have one another. We desperately need one another. It's the way Jesus designed his church. It's the way God designed our lives to be dependent on one another, to need our brothers and sisters. When we are given times and seasons in our life when it seems like we have more than we can handle, those are times we need to lean on one another for help, support, encouragement, prayer to help make it through those very difficult seasons. So again, uh, Hopefully, those times lead us to a greater dependence on God and to a greater dependence then on the community. Nick Followell, our community pastor, he says this all the time. He talks about it in Discover the Vista, probably in Regen. He says, community doubles your joy and cuts your, your sorrows in half. So I'll give credit to Nick Followell for that. I don't know. He might have stole it from somebody else, but uh, it's a really good statement. It's a really good quote, Right? Community is so important because we're not called and created to do life on our own. And that's especially true when we go through seasons where we've just been given more than we can handle. We need God and we need one another. So at the end of the day, God does not promise anywhere in Scripture that we will not be given more than we can handle. It's just not, it's just not in there. But I want to I encourage you because I want to remind you of some promises that Jesus does make. I want to remind you of some promises that we have been given, that when you're going through those times and those seasons, you can, you can cling to. We are promised that He will always be with us wherever we go. We are promised that He will never leave us and He'll never forsake us. We are promised that He will fill us with His Spirit and we will have His Spirit with us. We are promised that ultimately He will see us through to eternal victory thanks to the finished work of Jesus at the cross for us. So no matter what kind of season you're going through now or no matter what kind of season you will go through in the future, yeah, at times it will probably be more than you can handle. And in those times, I would allow those to create in you a greater dependence on God and then a greater dependence on the church to help see you through that. And then remember the promises that God's always with us. The last thing I wanted to mention, we'll be done with this, is 
There's a quote that I've heard my whole life. Um, whenever you hear uh, me or any preacher say something like, um, I heard a preacher say one time, what that means is, I have no idea who came up with the original quote, right? That's just kind of the way, of, a preacher's way of saying, there's a quote that I've heard, but I have no idea where it came from or who came up with it, right? So I heard a preacher say one time that as Christians, right, in life, uh, we, should do, uh, we should do more sailing than rowing, or we should do more sailing and, 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 and less rowing or, or something uh, along those lines. And I, I thought about that quote this week as I was uh, preparing for this sermon because I think there's a lot of truth in that. You know, when we're going through a, a time or a season when it feels like we've been given more than we can handle, a lot of us, um, what we try to do is we just, try to, we just try to row our boat a little harder, you know? And it's frustrating and it's tiring and it's exhausting and it feels like we're rowing against the current or against the wind or we're trying to row up a waterfall. I don't know. It's just, and it just wears you out. It beats you down and you're not getting anywhere and it's just, it's awful. And we're just trying to work really hard and work really hard and work really hard, and it's just not working. Instead, what we need to do is, is put our sail up and be dependent on the Spirit of God to take us, to guide us, to lead us, to help us through, or to be dependent on the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, to kind of be the wind in our sails, if you will, to help us get through that particular season. And again, I know on some levels the analogy might break down or fall apart, and, and obviously I'm not a sailor, but I, I know guys that have done some sailing, and there is still work involved in sailing, right? I'm not sitting here saying, man, the Christian life should be a breeze. Just put your sail up and coast. And listen, clearly there is work to be done. The Bible's very clear that God has created a good works for us to do. So we're not talking about having a lazy faith. Man, but when you've been given more than you can handle, you need to let God, let the Spirit of God help you. You need to let the church, brothers and sisters in Christ that God has surrounded you with, you need to let them help you because there will be times, there will be seasons where you will be given more than you can handle. And we're not called to do it alone. That's part of why God's put us in a family. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful today for your promises that you will always be with us, that you will never leave us or forsake us. God, that you give us your Holy Spirit who lives in us. And that ultimately, God, the promise is that you will see us through to eternal victory one day with you. And it doesn't matter what this world throws at us. God, we have those promises to cling to, that this world is not our home. And so, God, we look forward to that one day when um, when we are with you. God, I pray for people right now watching in their living rooms or wherever they're watching from that maybe in a particular season right now where they feel like they've just been given more than they can handle. God, I pray they would cling to your promises. God, I pray that you would create in them a greater dependence on you. And I pray that, God, they would have a dependence on, on the church. On, on brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would surround them with, with folks that love them and care about them. God, the truth is, life is hard sometimes, and we're all going to go through seasons like that. So teach us to depend on you and one another. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to uh, have a time of response, and so uh, Jordan and the band are going to lead us in another song. And again, right where you are in your, in your living room or wherever you're watching, 
um, you can respond. You can, you can worship with us and sing. Um, if you'd like to take communion um, or receive communion, you can get some elements there, um, whatever you want to use. And remember, uh, remember the body of Christ that was broken for you and the blood of Christ that was shed for you. Um, you're welcome to do that. Um, however you want to respond, maybe you just want to spend some time kind of get alone and get away in prayer, um, reflection, repentance, confession, whatever, whatever that needs to be, um, we just encourage you to take a moment and, and respond right where you are. Uh, again, thank you guys for, for joining us this morning.